You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. to the next part of the service. I'm going to just speak to you for a few moments, not long this morning. And uh, I had a couple of different messages I thought through as I was preparing for this message today. I thought about calling it House Hunters Have an Edition. But I decided to call it Forever Home. Forever Home. Disclaimer, I have not been to heaven. Okay, so, and there's a great deal I don't know. But what I do know is that heaven speaks to the need that we all have for hope. And I will say this, though. Jesus has given us ample insider information in his book for us to learn about his home. And I don't want to give away too much before we get started this morning. But let me just tell you what a day that will be. What a day that will be. Amen. Can we pray one more time together? God, we're thankful to be in this place here today. God, I pray that you would... Lord, operate in each and every single part of it. God, I pray, Lord, that your word would dig its roots down deep into our hearts here this morning and plant itself. God, I pray here right now, hallelujah, Jesus, let your will be done in each and every heart this morning. We give you the praise and we give you the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you remember the first home that you ever lived in? The first apartment you moved into, the first home you purchased? Do you remember what it feels like to drive up the driveway and catch a glimpse for the first time at that place? And somehow you just knew, that's my home. That's my home. You step inside and you check out every bedroom, every paint scheme, every nook and cranny. That might be a maritime term. Maybe everything wasn't exactly the way you would design it, but you knew this is a place that you can make your own. Moving day is always fun, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. We've all been there. You pack up everything that you own, and you try your best to keep it all organized. And in each and every box, you try to write on it where it belongs. I remember when we moved here to St. John over nine years ago. It's hard to believe. This year will be 10 years that we've been in St. John. And we packed up everything that we had into a 26-foot U-Haul, pulled out of the driveway of our home in Miramichi, and we started the three-hour journey on my wife's 25th birthday, actually. We didn't know exactly what awaited us, but we were excited for the new chapter that God had in store for us. I remember pulling into the driveway of the home here, and there must have been 15 or 20 men from this amazing church waiting to help us unload. The entire truck was unloaded in less than half an hour, and soon my wife and I and our 20-month-old baby boy were digging through every box. (laughs) And so just so we could get settled into this new place. We tore through box after box until finally everything was set up the way we wanted it, and we sighed a huge sigh of relief. We did it. It took some elbow grease, some grunt work, but in the end, we made it, and little did we know what a blessing it would be for us to get to know this group of believers, this family here in the city of St. John. Six years ago, 
we were looking to buy a home here, and we started dreaming about what we wanted as our forever home. But every house we came across, it didn't quite fit the wish list. And uh, I know the Clarks know what they're talking, what I'm talking about here. They're realtors, so they would understand. It's not always the first house that you look at. You got to look and look until you find what you're looking for. And um, you know, it didn't quite match up with what we had been looking for, and so we kept on looking. And one day we were with our realtor looking at a few different homes. And after looking at some homes that didn't fit the bill, our realtor told us, there's a house that's coming on the market tomorrow, and I have to go and take pictures of it. You guys are more than welcome to follow me if you want. So we did. Curiosity got the best of us. And as we pulled into the driveway, we knew this is it. Our kids raced through the home to pick out what room would be theirs. And we just knew this is home. This is home. I remember the day we got the keys to our new house. We got the keys to our new house. And the day we had been waiting for for so long was finally here, moving day. We've laughed in this home. We've cried in this home. We've chased each other around with Nerf guns and acted like complete goofballs. We've taught Bible studies to our kids. We've prayed on our knees and read the Bible through over and over again. Of course, it's not perfect. There's always going to be things that need to be done, just like there is in your homes. But why wouldn't there be? It's not really our forever home. Because our forever home, well, it isn't in this world. You may have heard of it before. It's called heaven. The Bible actually refers to three heavens. The most common Bible translation that's used, the King James Version, was written when we had over five times less the amount of words than what we do today. So sometimes the same word gets used in multiple instances when in all actuality it's not exactly what the original Hebrew and Greek texts were trying to get at. The Inuits, they have 53 words for snow. But somehow, 400 years ago, we only had one word to describe multiple things. Like, I saw, I saw, I saw. Why do we do this to ourselves? I saw, I saw, saw. <laughs> use the same word over and over again. Well, what are we going to call it? Well, just use the same word we already have. Don't make up a new one. And so this is what we do in the English language. Uh, and it's confusing at times. We're, of course, always in the process of doing homework with our kids, trying to teach them English. And it is challenging at times, I'll tell you. The first heaven that is referred to in the Bible is, uh, is used to describe the atmosphere around the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, it, says, it gives us an example of this. It says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. And fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. The second type of heaven is, in Scripture is used to describe what we would call the universe. Genesis chapter 1 verse 17, it says, God created the sun and the moon. And it says, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. The third use of heaven, and the one that we're going to be looking for this morning, is the dwelling place of God. You see the first heaven when you look around. You see the second heaven when you look up. But we are looking forward to the day we get to that heaven. What a day that will be. 
number of years ago, I was working as a trainer for a tech company, and they needed me to travel to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I, I know. I, somebody had to do it. So. And um, I brought my wife with me, and on the weekend, we went on what they call a river taxi. The driver of that boat, the captain of that boat, I guess, he told us that Fort Lauderdale is known as the Venice of America. I didn't know that. There are waterways that link up everywhere, all the way to the ocean. And as we were riding along, the driver was giving us a commentary on everything that we were seeing, mansion after mansion after mansion. He points to this mansion over here, and he tells us about this one. And then he points to an empty lot, and he said, uh, it's just rubble in this lot. It was a corner lot right, right in the waterway. And he said the owner, he purchased this property, and it already had a perfectly good mansion on it. He purchased it for $12 million, and then he bulldozed it and sold the lot for $14 million. Just beggar's belief. So hard to imagine. And then he says, you know, this mansion is owned by this famous person. This one's owned by that famous person. This one is over 32,000 square feet, and only two people live in it, a husband and a wife. They only see each other once a week. I mean, it completely blew us away. And we do. We marvel over the mansions that we see. But nothing, hear me this morning, nothing we've seen could compare to what the Bible tells us about heaven. I heard a story about a little girl who was born blind. A doctor was examining her eyes, and he told her parents, I have some good news to tell you. The doctor went on to say, with today's advanced medicine, I believe that your little girl can have an operation and we can restore her sight. And she'll be able to see. And so they did the operation. When they got through, they bandaged her eyes up for a few days and then went back to the doctor. The doctor, he removes the bandages very carefully unwrapping each one. And when they were completely gone, the doctor told her to open up her eyes. And when she opened up her eyes for the first time, she, she saw her mother's face with tears running down her cheek. She ran to the window. She seen the grass and the trees and the sky and the birds and the flowers for the very first time. Things that had only been described to her. She ran back to her mother and said, why didn't you tell me how beautiful everything is? The mother said, honey, I tried, but I could not make you understand. That's how I feel this morning. I wish I could properly tell you how beautiful everything will be. I wish I could adequately tell you just how wonderful it will be. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even begin to comprehend how amazing heaven will be. But I want to try. This morning, each of us come from different walks of life. We have all experienced life in so many, so many different ways. We have different personalities, different likes, different dislikes, and some of us are just different. If you don't know who I'm talking about, well, but we all have this one amazing thing in common. We all want to make heaven our forever home. Amen. Sure, the places we live in on planet Earth have meaning to us. We love decorating and designing and tearing down walls and renovating things, how we envision we would like to have them. 
But if we're completely honest with ourselves, this whole world isn't our home. We're just passing through. We have so much to look forward to on our moving day from this world to the next. After we are called home to heaven, either through death or by the rapture of the church when Christ gathers us all together, we have so much to look forward to. Christ, he says in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Somebody say you. That's me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Mansions, if you look it up in the original text, it, it talks about rooms. That's, the, that's what it's trying to get at. Multiple rooms, room after room after room, all connected together. And the Bible tells us that there's a table big enough to seat us all. Just fathom that. We love to try and imagine what heaven will be like, but the reality is I don't believe our minds can fully comprehend the awesome glory that will be revealed to us on the day that we enter into the very presence of the Lord and we take up residence in the place that he has personally prepared for us. The Bible tells us that we are going to spend an eternity there, so I think it only makes sense that we check out the place where we're going to live forever and ever, don't you? Hebrews 11 says that God is both the architect and the builder of this better country. It is a city with foundations. And what an architect he is, the creator of the heavens and the earth. This book, the Bible, it begins with a paradise, the Garden of Eden. It's the story of God, the creator, and two people in paradise. And this book ends with God and a lot of people in paradise. How much I want to be one of those people with him in paradise. In John chapter 14, Jesus talks about going back to his father's house to prepare a place for us. That's heaven. One of the Lord's disciples, whose name was Philip, was a little bit confused. And he asked Jesus, how can we know the way? How do we know how to get there? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So I make no apology here this morning when I say that Jesus isn't one of the ways to heaven. He isn't just a good way to heaven. He's not relatively a better way to heaven. He's not even the best way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. We can't get there without him. It's only through him. Hallelujah. And we all have this innate desire within us to finally make it home because the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says God has placed eternity in our hearts. Just think about that. God has placed eternity in our hearts. When he created us, he placed in us this desire to yearn for the day when we will be forever home. And because of this, we will never be satisfied in a temporary world. As much as what we try, we are homesick for a home that we've never even been to before. That's why C.S. Lewis, he wrote, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I've heard people say, well, nobody can know for certain that you're going to heaven when you die. Wrong. And I've, I've heard people say, you'll have to wait until you die to see if you were good enough to go to heaven. Also wrong. The Bible says that we can know for certain. 
In his first epistle, John, he wrote this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Every one of us here this morning has a chance to go to heaven. Every one of us have an opportunity to make heaven our forever home. Because soon and very soon, the Lord will be coming back for a people that have made themselves ready for his return. But until then, we face this little thing called death. Around the world, three people die every second. That's 180 people every minute. Nearly 11,000 people every hour. Yes, I've done the math. If the Bible is right about what happens to us after we die, which I'm confident that it is, that means that almost 260,000 people die every day, and they will either go to heaven or go to hell. There's an old hymnal that says, when we all get to heaven, but are we all going to heaven? The Bible makes it clear that not everyone will. In Revelation chapter 20, we read about a final judgment of those who rejected God's free gift of eternal life. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But there is good news for us here this morning. Because 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone come to repentance. He wants everyone to make heaven their forever home. He wants you and I to make it. So I am not going to use hell as a ploy this morning to get you to want to avoid hell so you can make it to heaven. I want you to go for the same reason that I want to be there. Jesus. Jesus will be there. Hallelujah. So how can we make sure that heaven is our home sweet home? Heaven is prepared. It is a prepared place for a prepared people. How do we prepare? How do we prepare for this place that he is preparing for us? Revelations chapter 21, verse 27, it tells us that there is a book that you have to get your name on. You have to have your name in that book. It tells us, but there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In heaven there is a book, there's a registry, and it is called the Lamb's book of life. And the names of all who will be in heaven are recorded in that book. There is a place in that book for everyone's name. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's something to rejoice about. So how do we get our names on the list? In the same chapter in John 14, where Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, he tells us, He tells us how to get your name on the list. After Thomas questioned the Lord like we talked about, Lord, we don't know where you're going or how to get there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And in Acts chapter 2, the Lord shows us the way. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sin can't enter into heaven. And so we need to repent, which means turn away from the lifestyle of sin and ask God to forgive us. And once he's forgiven us and we've turned our hearts to him, we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus to wash away our sins. Baptism is a continual work that happens in our life from that day forward. And let me tell you this morning, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when you are washed completely. 
When we are baptized in His name, old things, old habits, old lifestyle dies and we are made new. And then we need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God's Spirit coming to live in us. And we will know that we've received His Spirit when we begin speaking in a heavenly language just like they did in the book of Acts. God speaks through us in His Spirit. He makes our heart His home. And this awesome loving, amazing God who wants to live in your heart is preparing a place for you. And he wants you to know he's working on your forever and ever and ever home. When the Apostle John was on the island of Patmos, God revealed to him all the things that were going to take place in the end times. God revealed to him about the Antichrist the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon, the great white throne judgment. John saw the most horrifying moments that would come on this earth. And then, just for a moment, God pinned back the curtains of heaven and let John just have a peek, just have a peek into what heaven was going to be like. Walls of jasper. He writes about it in Revelations. You can read it for yourself. Walls of jasper, gates of pearl, streets of gold. No more sickness, no more death. Hallelujah. And there was no need of any light because God himself was the light. In Gen X and Gen Z language, that means that heaven is legit and it's lit. Bet you didn't know I was that hip. And you and I, we could talk about all of our speculations and try to figure out who's going to be the Antichrist and what date and time everything is going to happen until we are blue in the face. We could talk forever and ever about who is wrong and I am right. But none of that really matters to me. All that matters to me is that we are ready for the day. We are ready for the day that the Lord returns for His church. That's all that matters. We have to be ready. John's response after he saw everything the Lord showed him was this. After he's seen all these horrifying moments that would come. And then he saw this glimmer of heaven that God allowed him to see. Seeing all of this take place and he begins to write about it. He ends the book by saying, even so, come Lord Jesus. I've seen... I know you've told me a lot of things about the end times, Lord, but you're going to be there. So my answer is, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come. And sure, we can talk about the beauties of heaven, but I have the feeling that when we see all the golden streets and the gates of pearl and the walls of jasper, they will all pale in comparison when we see our Redeemer. When we're able to see the nail prints in His hands and in His feet, that he joyfully took for us. When we see Jesus, my Lord and my God, everything else will pale. He will be what makes heaven for me. First Peter chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, how many is thankful for that abundant mercy, he doesn't just give us one chance or two chances or three chances. It's abundant mercy. According to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Somebody hear that this morning. For you. There is a forever home that God has for you that cannot be corrupted and cannot fade away. A place that is reserved just for you. Centuries ago, the Greeks had thought the edge of the world was the Strait of Gibraltar at the western edge of the Mediterranean Sea. According to the Greeks, there was a huge statue of Hercules blocking the exit of the Atlantic Ocean. It was called the Pillar of Hercules is what they referred to it as. And it had three Latin words written on it, non plus ultra, which means no more beyond. And for centuries upon centuries, the sea captains believed that was the edge of the world. And so they never ventured far past beyond that point. There's no point of looking any further because this is it. And we know today that there are those who finally did. Explorers like Christopher. Christopher Columbus, who went beyond the point of where they were told there was no more beyond. And today in a small city in Spain where Columbus is buried, there's a huge monument that's built to his memory. And below Columbus, we can read, we can read those three words again, non plus ultra. He had it put on his tomb, non plus ultra, no more beyond. But when you look closer, you see that there is a lion in the monument who is tearing away the word no. Columbus had the courage to venture beyond the point where most people thought there was no more beyond. And he discovered that there is more beyond. There are some people who still feel the same way about the grave. They think that there is non plus ultra, no more beyond. This is it. But there was a man named Jesus. Let me tell you about him here this morning. He was crucified. He was buried. And after three days, he emerged from the grave and ripped away the idea that there is no more beyond. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. But the Bible also calls him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And like the lion in that monument, Jesus tears away the doubt and the fear that you might have about death and the afterlife. He came out of that tomb to declare to the world that there is more beyond the grave. Let me tell you here this morning, there is more beyond the grave. And if you put your faith in him and in his way, you can make heaven your home. Hallelujah, Jesus. On February 10th, I was at the funeral of the pastor of Crescent Valley Gospel Center on the north end here in St. John, Pastor Caldwell. And after the funeral was over, I was making my way through the congregation, introducing myself. And I had the privilege of meeting a lady named Wanda. She almost immediately, as soon as I started talking to her, started talking about heaven. And I, I, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try anyways. This is her words. She said, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, ha, she said, to finally look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. She was looking forward to the day heaven became her forever home. 
the sweet lady, little did we know, would pass away three days later. My heart sank when I read that she had passed. I had just gotten to meet her. I came home telling my wife about it, and I said, man, I just met her. And then I remembered the conversation that I had with her. What a day that will be to finally look on his face, the one who saved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Psalm, Psalm 2, uh, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 3, I can't see through my tears. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it tells us that we aren't really citizens of this land. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait. Oh, we've been eagerly waiting for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. We're just pilgrims. We're just, pass We're just strangers passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that is why Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Last Sunday, I ended by talking about how God poured out his presence on all of humanity, and in doing so, he came to live within our hearts. He took, he took up residence in us. He came to live in us. He made our heart his home. And that's why the apostle Paul, like my wife talked about here this morning, wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you were not your own? Listen to this, verse 20. For you were bought, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He desires to live in us. But his ultimate objective for us is to live forever with him in the place that he is preparing for us. If I could have the music come back at this time. There really is no place like home. Some might be thinking, he must be almost finished building our forever home. He has to be. What's taking so long? And I know, I know, we can't wait until we are forever home. And so we get impatient and we ask, what's taking so long? But believe me, he's wrapping things up. He's wrapping things up, church. I need to honestly tell you he's wrapping things up. To be honest, I'm glad he's taking his time because he's wanting you to be there. And I don't believe we have the time to delay or the time to wait. If you've never repented, can we stand? If you've never repented, or even if it's been a while, I invite you this morning to come and ask God to forgive you of all of your sins. And He will. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus for the cleansing of your sins, we have water ready. We have gowns for you to get changed into. Why put it off any longer? 
this morning is your morning to finally have those sins that have been weighing you down washed away. Washed away. Everything has been paid in full. Come see me or one of the pastoral team and we'll talk you through what it means to be baptized in His name. If you've never had the privilege of receiving the Holy Ghost, the gift that God has for you, His Spirit living inside of you, today's your day. Today's your day. For those who have been homesick for a home that you've never been to, I invite you to come to this altar here this morning and tell the Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Tell the Lord that while He is making a home for you to make His home inside your heart, this amazing God who created you is creating a home where you can live with Him forever and He can't wait to welcome you to your forever home. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.